What up, what up? It's your boy, Georgie350, and you are listening to Once Upon a 785, the dopest podcast in the Midwest. Let's get into it. Excuse me, sir. Is the earth round or flat? Flat. Why do you say that? Because of the firmament. What's the firmament? Do you even read the Bible, bro? What up, what up? Welcome to Season 2 of Once Upon 785. God is real and the earth is flat. I'm your host. Georgie 350. I just want to say, this season is going to be nuts. If you haven't noticed, I'm going a different route this season. This year, I've had my mind completely blown with topics that have literally changed my life. Topics such as Flat Earth, the Lost Empire of Tataria, the Moon Landing Hoax, Dinosaurs, Gravity, space, the Antarctic Treaty, the Weimar, the Weimar Republic in Germany, and 9-11, just to name a few. But, real quick, if you would like to support the show, you can pay $4.99 and support your boy and help grow the podcast. But, if you can't afford $4.99 a month, but you want to support the podcast, go ahead and give us a like or leave a review on whatever platform you listen on because it helps the algorithm reach more people like yourself who might enjoy it too. But never feel obligated to do anything except enjoy the show. But before we start, here's a brief ad. What up? Georgie350 here. And I want to talk to you about clothing. I love fashion. And hoodie season is right around the corner. And Cocoburry is a premium sweatsuit company. And I can honestly say the hoodie I got from them is top notch. It's so comfy. They have hella different colors. You can mix and match them. The choice is yours. I'll be ordering some joggers from them next probably. And since you boys a verified Cocoburry influencer, you can go to cocoburry.com and use promo code GEORGIE350 and get 30% off your entire order. Again, you can go to cocoberry.com and use promo code GEORGIE350 and get 30% off your entire order. The link will be in the show description. Okay. So this episode, I'm going to start off with flat earth and how my journey back to God and the truth started. Okay, so for anybody that knows me, I never messed with religion. Um, I grew up in a house where I went to church every Sunday. Um, even when I didn't want to, I had to go to church. Um, I went to youth group 
every Wednesday. Um, I went to church camp. So I was always familiar with the Bible. I mean, I knew Bible verses. I went there for, I was in the church for most of my life. Um, I think we started off Lutheran, and then we went Methodist, and then I think we went to, it was a place called the Church of God. And so, in 2008, after I graduated high school, I watched a movie called Zeitgeist. And it blew my mind. And that's kind of what started the whole journey to the truth. Because, I mean, it opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, the first part of the movie, they talk about how all religion is based off of the sun. And me understanding the Bible, I was like, man, this makes sense. And the second part was 9-11, and I was blown away. I was like, yeah, 9-11 was totally an inside job. And then the end of the movie was about the Federal Reserve banking system. And I didn't quite really understand that all yet, but this is what started my whole anti-government, you know, I don't trust the government. Um, I never really cared about the president. And it's really when I started to question a lot. And so, um, it must have been a couple of years ago, I started listening to podcasts. And trust me when I say, I never in a million years thought I would be the guy listening to podcasts. I actually made fun of people who listen to podcasts. <clears throat> Excuse me. And no lie, I became addicted. Um, I love podcasts. But I was like, I'm going to look up some conspiracy podcast and I found this one that was called Theories of the Third Kind and the episode was about Antarctica which we'll talk about that later and it blew my mind I was like what I can't believe I didn't know all this shit about Antarctica And so that was what really started me down the rabbit hole. 
I just kept searching for different podcasts. Um, I came across the Cult of Conspiracy, which I I enjoy them. Um, stuff they don't want you to know. Um, I don't agree with pretty much anything they say. Um, once I found some good podcasts, I quit listening to stuff they don't want you to know. But like Bill Cooper said, listen to everyone and discern for yourself. And you know, always do your own research. Don't believe anything I say. I'm just telling you what I have found. And hopefully it'll open up your mind and make you want to do some research into it yourself. And so listening to these podcasts, I started hearing a few Flat Earth episodes. And it started me thinking like, man, I could actually see the Earth being flat. Because I always remember when I was a kid, I was like, you know, the Earth looks pretty flat. But that's when they have you thinking, you know, that if you're on a boat, you're going to fall off the end. So, you know, I always thought it was silly. But I always thought that the round earth was silly. Like, so if I start digging a hole, I can come out in China or something? Is that what you're telling me? And so I started thinking about the whole flat earth, but I still just did not believe in the Bible or Jesus. I was just anti-religion. I believed in a creator because I thought, you know, there's got to be, you know, a creator of the universe. But one day, a random podcast came on when I was at work and, you know, I got my headphones in and it was called The Flat Earth Files. And I almost skipped it because he started talking about Flat Earth and the Bible. And I was like, what? And, you know, me being me, I understood the Bible. So I was like, this is crazy. And so I just kept listening. And so, let's get ready, and I'm going to break it down, how I got into Flat Earth. But, real quick, here's a brief ad. Clothes are more than just stuff you wear, which is why I love clothing companies that support a positive message. Companies like Reaper Apparel Company. Reaper Apparel Company was born out of necessity out of 2020 and the aftermath. The year 2020 became a reminder that every minute counts, even the hard ones. Stop wasting so many moments in life worrying about the future and what it holds. Those are moments you can never get back. So make a commitment to be present and be the best version of yourself every single day. Be committed to live authentic. Try new things and find those that center you. Reaper is not only a brand, it's a complete life adjustment. A commitment to live your most authentic way every single day. 
You never want to die with regret of the things you didn't do. Go all out. Try new things. Be bold and brave. Happiness is a state of mind, and I choose to find what it means to me, and I hope Reaper can be the inspiration you need to find yours. I am Reaper. You are Reaper. We're Reaper. Go to reaperapparelcompany.com and use promo code Georgie350 at checkout and get 10% off your order. Again, go to reaperapparelcompany.com and use promo code Georgie350 at checkout and get 10% off your order. Okay, so first thing the guy on the podcast does, he keeps talking about the firmament. And I'm wondering, what is he talking about? What is the firmament? So, I do what any person does. I go to the old Google machine and type in, what is the firmament? Google takes me to Wikipedia. And here's what Wikipedia says. Quote, in biblical cosmology, the firmament is a vast solid dome created by God on the second day of creation, which divides the primal waters in upper and lower portions. The word is found in the King James Version, the Tyndale, the Douai Rames, and other early English translations of the Bible. Today it survives as a synonym for heaven. End quote. And in the King James Bible, it mentions the firmament 17 times. Genesis 1, 6 through 8. Genesis 1, 14 through 17. Genesis 1, 20. Psalms 1, 9. And Daniel 12, 3. And I would like to go ahead and just read those for you. Because as soon as I got off work, I had to go pick up my son. And I was looking all over for my old Bible because I had to get my kid from my parents' house. And I couldn't find it. And my dad gave me his. And it was the New Living Translation, and I was like, nope, doesn't say firmament, I don't want it. And so I get my mom's, doesn't say firmament, she whips out this huge King James Bible that was my grandpa's, and I was like, this is it. And this is exactly what it said. Genesis 1-6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. 1-7 And God made the firmament, and divided the waters, which were under the firmament, from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. 1-8 And God made the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. 
and then Genesis 1, 14 through 17. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, a greater light to rule the day and a lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. In Genesis 1.20, And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. Psalms 1 9. The heavens declare thy glory, the heavens declare thy glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Daniel 12 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and that they turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. And I do believe I missed one with Noah and the flood because I know it says, and God opened the gates of the firmament and flooded the earth. So I may have missed one or some. But after I read that, honestly, after I read Genesis, I was like, holy shit, how did I not know this before? And so I'm ask my parents like yo have you guys heard about the firmament because they're full-blown devout christians and never heard of it didn't know what i was talking about kind of got the vibe that it was one of my conspiracy things and it's like it's in the bible you say in the bible's a conspiracy are we supposed to take it literally or figuratively, because I read the Bible literally. It's God's word. You should take it literally. And before I get sidetracked, he was also pointing out some Freemason numerology about the globe model. So, I'll give you some Masonic numerology that I found. And on this website, it has a quote from the Bible. <clears throat> and don't worry, I'll have the site, I'll have everything linked in the show description. But it says, Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast. For it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred three score and six. Revelation thirteen eighteen. The following is some numerology taken from the spherical Earth figures that is interesting. The speed of the globe's orbit is sixty-six point six miles per hour. The curvature of the Earth is one mile squared. No, 
the curvature in one mile squared is 666 feet of curvature. The Earth is on a 66.6 degree tilt. They say 23.4, but if you subtract that from a 90 degree right angle, right angle you get 66.6. Earth's axis of rotation and its plane of orbit around the sun is 66.6 degrees. The polar circles are located near the poles of the Earth at 66.6 degrees, 66 .6 degrees north and south latitude. The distance to the nearest galaxy is 11.7 million light years away. 11 plus 7 equals 18. 6 plus 6 plus 6 equals 18. 666, the nearest solar system. The star Gliese 876 is 15.3 light years away. 15 plus 3 equals 18, which is 6 plus 6 plus 6. There are 1,800 confirmed new worlds out of our solar system. 1,800, 18, 6 plus 6 plus 6. Pluto has 18% the mass of our moon. 18, I think you get the picture. Pluto's moon, Charon, is nearly an eighth of the mass of Pluto. 1 eighth, 18, 666. The newest planet discovered in 2016, Proxima b, is 4.22 light years away. <laughs> 22 minus 4 equals 18. The solar system is traveling at an average speed of 828,000 kilometers an hour. 8 plus 2 plus 8 equals 18. The sun was formed from the solar nebula about 4.59 billion years ago. 4 plus 5 plus 9 equals 18. The Earth's orbital speed around the sun is 108 kilometers an hour. 10 plus 8 equals 18. The total journey time from Earth to Mars supposedly takes between 150 to 300 days. 15 plus 3 equals 18. Neptune's equatorial, Neptune's equatorial clouds take 18 hours to make one rotation. 18. The moon was formed 4.6 billion years ago, around some 30 to 50 million years after the formation of the solar system. 4 plus 6 plus 3 plus 5 equals, you guessed it, 18. Pluto's distance changes from 7.3 billion kilometers to 4.4 billion kilometers. 7 plus 3 plus 4 plus 4 equals 18. The Milky Way is moving towards 
Centaurus at a speed of between 150 and 300 miles a second. 15 plus 3 equals 18. So, as you can see, this is all laughable when you really sit down and think about it. And, I mean, they say the sun is 93 million miles away and the moon is 200 and some thousand miles away. But it's funny to me, we just had an eclipse happen. I don't think where I'm at, but no matter what, if you look at the sun or the moon in the sky, they look the exact same size. And I mean, once you look at the earth as flat, you never go back. And so next on the podcast that I was listening to, the guy started talking about the Antarctic ice walls and the Antarctic Treaty. And this is when I was like, yep, it's definitely flat. But first, this is our last ad, and we'll be right back. You know I like fly-ass clothing that supports positive messages, but do you? Habits New York is a streetwear apparel brand that's all about promoting positive habits. They started out as Habits 365, but they knew they wanted to take it further and make an even bigger impact. Their vision was to create a streetwear brand that combines edgy style with a meaningful message. They believe that habits play a crucial role in shaping our success and happiness, and they want to spread that message through fashion. That's why they started Habits New York, to make a difference in the world by promoting positivity and self-improvement. Their designs are all handcrafted. They're all crafted in-house using high-quality materials and the latest styles. They're all about individuality and self-improvement, and they want their clothes to serve as daily reminders for customers to adopt positive habits and strive for success. You can join today and be a part of the Habits New York movement. Simply go to habitsnewyork.com and use promo code georgie350 at checkout and get 15% off your order. Again, you can go to habitsnewyork.com and use promo code georgie350 at checkout and get 15% off your order. Okay, so the Antarctic Treaty and the Ice Wall. We're going to start with the Antarctic Treaty. So, the Antarctic Treaty was signed in Washington on December 1st, 1959, by the 12 nations that have been active during the IGY, which I believe is the International Geophysical Year. Um, those 12 nations were Argentina, Australia, Belgium, Chile, 
France, Japan, New Zealand, Norway, South Africa, United Kingdom, United States, and the USSR. The treaty, which applies to the areas south of the 60 degree south latitude, is surprisingly short but remarkably effective. Through this agreement, the countries active in Antarctica consult on the uses of a whole continent with commitment that it should not be become the scene or object of international discard, discord. In its 14 articles, the treaty states that the treaty stipulates that Antarctica should be used exclusively for peaceful purposes, military activities such as the establishment of military bases or weapons testing are specifically prohibited. It guarantees continued freedom to conduct scientific research as enjoyed during the IGY. It promotes international scientific cooperation, including the exchange of research plans and personal and, and personnel and requires that results of research be made freely available. Um, it sets aside, sets aside the potential for sovereignty disputes between treaty parties by providing that no activities will enhance or diminish previously asserted positions with respect to territorial claims, provides that no new or enlarged claims can be made and makes rules relating to jurisdiction. It prohibits nuclear explosions and the disposal of radioactive waste. Um, it provides for inspection by observers designed by any, designated by any party of ships, stations, and equipment in Antarctica to ensure the observance of and compliance with the treaty. It requires parties to give advance notice of their expeditions, provides for the parties to meet periodically to discuss measures to further the objectives of the treaty, and puts in place a dispute settlement procedure and mechanism by which the treaty can be modified. The Antarctic Treaty came into force on June 23, 1961, after ratification by the 12 countries then active in Antarctica science. The treaty covers the area south of the 60 degrees south latitude. Its objectives are simple yet unique in international relations. They are to demilitar demilitarize Antarctica, to establish it as a zone free of nuclear tests and the disposal of radioactive waste, and to ensure that it is used for peaceful purposes only to promote international scientific cooperation in Antarctica, to set aside disputes over territorial sovereignty. So, just in case you didn't know, you can't go past the 60th parallel south. If you do, you will be turned around by military personnel. The Antarctic Treaty is the longest lasting treaty to date.
I mean, think about it forever. It's the longest lasting treaty between some countries that supposedly hate each other. They're our mortal enemy, but yet we agree on Antarctica. I call bullshit. The two places you can go if you're a tourist in Antarctica are the Rothschild Island and Deception Island. Everywhere else is off limits. So, I'm like, why can't you go? Why can't you go to Antarctica? So I start researching the ice walls. And I was like, damn. This makes so much sense. So, first off, think about it like this. Water needs to be contained. Think of a lake or a pond contained by the shoreline. And then the oceans are surrounded by the ice wall that's holding all the water on this flat plain. Think of a bathtub and the tub as the ice wall. Simple enough. If you type in Antarctic ice wall on TikTok, you'll see hella videos with these massive ice walls. Now, given some could be CGI, some could be bullshit. But I mean, it really makes you think like there is actual photos of huge ice walls. And these ice walls made me think of a movie that I watched when I was a little kid called Scamper the Penguin. And about these penguins that jump off these huge ice walls. And I researched that movie. Come to find out, it was originally made in Russia. Hmm. But, either way, we're going to do a whole ass episode on Antarctica and break it all down. But, someone that's worth mentioning in this episode is Admiral Richard E. Byrd. Richard E. Byrd, his Antarctica, his Antarctic credentials come from his five expeditions to Antarctica from 1928 through 1955. But long before that, in 1912, he had learned to fly as an officer in the U.S. Navy and contributed to a number of firsts in that field. In 1926, with Floyd Bennett as pilot and Byrd acting as navigator, he made the first airplane journey over the North Pole. Though it is now believed that they fell short by 240 kilometers, nonetheless, this made him a national hero and he would go on to become the first to fly across the Atlantic from west to east. He was successful in spite of crash landing in France and bad weather. In 1928, he turned his attention to the Antarctic and managed to gain the backing of wealthy Americans, Americans such as Edsel Ford. He was a good friend of Edsel and his father, Henry Ford. 
and then good old John D. Rockefeller Jr. and the American public. He would go on to name Antarctic geographic features after both Ford and Rockefeller. Funny. Excuse me. Okay, so the Antarctic expeditions. Byrd's first Antarctic expedition from 1928 to 1930. He sailed to the continent in October of 1928 and set up a large base on the Ross Ice Shelf called Little America. This was the first of the American bases on the continent and was well equipped. Flights were made from this base and they discovered new mountains and a large area of unknown territory. Marie Bird Land, which Bird named after his wife. This area is the unclaimed territory in Antarctica. On November 29, 1929, Bird and his companions would become the first to fly over the South Pole. The flight took 19 hours to fly from Little America to the Pole and return. Now, take all of this with what you will, because there is no pole, in my opinion. But, Bird's Second Antarctic Expedition, from 1933 to 1935. Again, he visited Little America with the aim of mapping and claiming land around the pole. He extended the exploration of Marie Bird Land and continued his scientific observations. In 1934, Bird spent five months alone in a hut buried beneath the ice at a weather station named Balling Advance Base, almost 200 kilometers south of Little America. It almost killed him. Admiral Bird, alone in his hut, was probably the most famous instance of carbon monoxide poisoning in Antarctica. It was the dead of winter, permanent darkness, and he was hundreds of kilometers from the nearest support. A poorly ventilated stove resulted in carbon monoxide poisoning from which he narrowly escaped with his life. His strange radio reports back to base made his officers concerned and they mounted a rescue mission which saved his life. It took him a long time to recover, and he writes of his experiences in his book alone. Now, Byrd's third Antarctic expedition, 1939 to 1941, was financed and sponsored by the U.S. government. After President Roosevelt asked Byrd to command the U.S. Antarctic program. This time, they again used the Little America base, but also set up on Stonington Island near the Antarctic Peninsula. This expedition would complete extensive studies of Antarctic geology, biology, meteorology, and continue exploring new areas. Due to the impending involvement of America in the Second World War, Byrd was recalled 
was recalled to active duty in 1940 and assigned to the office of the Chief of Naval Operations. The expedition continued without him. His fourth Antarctic expedition, which was Operation High Jump, 1946-47. Operation High Jump involved 4,700 men, 13 ships, including the aircraft carrier Philippine Sea, and 25 aircraft. It was the largest Antarctic expedition ever attempted and would map and photograph almost 1 million 400,000 square kilometers of the Antarctic continent, especially the coastline. Byrd made his second flight over the South Pole and was involved in a number of other flights. In 1948, the U.S. Navy produced a documentary about the operation. It was called The Secret Land and won an Academy Award for Best Documentary. It was this expedition which figures heavily in conspiracy theories where it is claimed that Byrd's flotilla encountered Nazi UFOs and pitched a battle ensued resulting in the defeat of the American forces. So, if you haven't, check it out. It's pretty crazy. But I mean, Operation High Jump. What are they trying to jump over? Oh, maybe the ice walls. But that's for another day. Now, his fifth Antarctic expedition, Operation Deep Freeze. By 1955, Byrd was in charge of the United States Antarctic program and supervised the U.S. Navy's Operation Deep Freeze, which was sent to support the International Geophysical Year 1957 through 58. This was Byrd's final visit to Antarctica, and although he was only there for a week, he also took his last flight over the South Pole on January 8, 1956. This expedition also established permanent Antarctic bases at McMurdo Sound, or McMurdo Station, and the South Pole, Amundsen-Scott Base. So, it gets so crazy and so deep. So, we're going to go ahead and move to my final thoughts and my closing thoughts. So, as we get to closing, as we get to the closing part of this episode, I'd just like to recap. We covered the firmament and the biblical proof behind it. Um, we got into some Masonic numerology with the heliocentric model, the Antarctic Treaty, the ice walls, and Richard Byrd's journey to Antarctica. All five of them. Now, in the coming up episodes, we are going to continue with Antarctica and dig deeper and, might I add, Go in chronological order, starting with Operation High Jump in 1946, Operation Deep Freeze in 1955, 
the founding of NASA, not a space agency, in 1955. In 1959, they signed the Antarctic Treaty, which we covered in this episode some. Um, Operation Fishbowl in 1962. And top it off with the moon landing, or the fake moon landing, in 1969, which was Apollo 11. And I mean, just discussing NASA and all the mockery and symbology behind them could take at least a couple episodes. And I mean, yeah, there's so much stuff to talk about. I'm honestly excited. Um, I'd like to thank you all. Because uh, this does conclude episode one. Again, thank you for listening to Once Upon. 7A5, Season 2, God is Real, and the Earth is Flat. As always, I'm your host, Georgie350, and, as always, hit him with the outro. Middle of the map, can't swear I'm at, you can say I'm whack, it's just not a fact, can tell if I'm awake, or I'm in a dream, I just know I'm geek.